Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Jordan. I'm back in one piece from Waco, Texas. The dark, dark road was good to me. Dylan and I had a fantastic trip. This, the site of the new Mount Carmel Center same site as the old Mount Carmel Center, was just beautiful. Pastor Charles Pace and his wife Alexa were incredibly nice to us. Also, shout out to Buckaroo, their dog. But yeah, uh, wonderful grounds, wonderful people there. It was uh, something I'm really glad that I got a chance to do. Now, to give you some background on why the trip went down, why we even decided to do this, uh, I'm presenting this episode to you now. This is a conversation that Dylan and I had the night before we arrived at the New Mount Carmel Center. We were in a hotel room in Fort Stockton. We had had a few drinks, that may be evident, but nonetheless, I think it captures our intentions. Now, tomorrow marks the 26th anniversary of the Waco fire, the tragedy that took the lives of 76 Branch Davidians, many of them children. To coincide with that anniversary, I am going to release an interview with Pastor Charles Pace, the pastor and caretaker of the New Mount Carmel Center, I'm excited for you to hear the interview. It's very interesting, to say the least. Charles has some fascinating interpretations of the Waco siege, the Waco fire, the Waco incident, whatever you want to call it. He has some fascinating takes on David Koresh and the way the whole thing went down. He also has some views that I want to make clear, are not necessarily views that Dylan and I share. I think that will be clear, but just for the record, there's the disclaimer. So that episode will be dropping tomorrow on the anniversary. And before I get to my conversation with Dylan from the night before our visit, a little housekeeping. We have a new patron, a new dark, dark individual Ms. Ivy Barkalo. Thank you so much, Ivy. It is very appreciated. All of your support and wonderful comments are also appreciated, and you've asked some very good questions for the upcoming Q&A, which uh, will segue nicely into a reminder that we are still taking questions for the springtime Q&A 
Keep them coming, people. You know where to send them. Darkworldpod at gmail.com. At Dark Dark World Podcast on Instagram. At Dark World Pod on Twitter. And at Dark Space, Dark Space World Space Podcast on Facebook. Some reason you have to put in the spaces to search for it that way. It's weird. At least you do when I look it up. I'd also like to take this time to condemn Stitcher. If you are a Stitcher listener, I don't know. They're they're not uploading. They're not hosting all of the episodes that I upload. It's been something like nine days now since the last episode, and it's still not up on Stitcher, but it is available everywhere else. They're trying to tell me the problem is on my end, despite, as I say, the episode being available everywhere else. The problem is pretty clearly on Stitcher's end. I've had some of these issues with them before. If you somehow happen to be listening to this on Stitcher, great, I'm glad. But you may want to consider listening to the show elsewhere just because they do not seem to consistently have the episodes. Just wanted to throw that out there for anyone who may have been like, wait, where are these other episodes that are supposed to be coming? So if you're listening on Stitcher, there's a good chance you don't have all the episodes. I think that's it for the housekeeping. Thanks again to Ivy. I now bring you my conversation with Dylan McTurk. As your best friend, am I allowed to be an Edhead? Because I'm a motherfucking Edhead. We're we're all Edheads. Hey, everybody. We're here doing a dark, dark room episode. But actually, since it's an away game, it's what I'm calling the dark, dark road. We're on the dark, dark road. I'm here with my bestest friend, Dylan McTurk. Say hi, Dylan. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, hi, Jordy. I, I felt like I had to come with something different. Yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. wanted to say hi, guys, but I felt like that was taken. So. We want to have the specter of Etsy here, even though he's in Ruby Ridge right now. And yeah. Doing his thing. Much love to Eddie in Ruby Ridge. And where are we, Hope Dylan? Tell about us about that. where we are right now. Fort Stockton, Texas, I believe. That is correct. Uh, dare I say Texas's greatest city? You know what? We were just at a bar right now hanging out with some locals. And I made the comment that Fort Stockton might be the most woke city in Texas. I know that's a hot take. Population, I think, under 5,000? What was it? It's like 9,000. Oh, 9,000. Okay. So 9,000 total. And still really small. First of all, things shut down early, I guess, in a small town here in Quite. Texas. Uh, so there, uh, what we wanted to do is track down some liquor that we could have in our hotel room. That's important for us. And uh, we found a place. The only place that was open after 9 was a place called It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. And it was literally not only a drive-through liquor store, but a drive-in liquor store. You drive in into a barn that suddenly becomes a store, but they don't have liquor. So much to my gluten-free chagrin, I could not get just straight booze. Had to go with a beer or a cider. I went with cider. So after we got the liquor, we decided to go out to eat before we were going to go drink. And we went to a restaurant, and it was a steakhouse, and we had a delightful young waitress. She was a really nice girl. She delightful. was shocked 
and just like could not comprehend the fact that Dylan and I do not eat meat for one. And that we would just like, this is what we had to order as as vegetarians and vegans. I had to order one side of steamed broccoli and one side of french fries. And Dylan ordered... Uh, I got two orders of the kids menu grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> With fries on both. And it came in two separate baskets like he was two different people eating a basket of grilled cheese and fries each fairly shameful when the only thing that comes to a table for two adults is two kids grilled cheeses and a side of broccoli. The, these douchebags ordered <laughs> off the kids menu and then got two sides to go with it. So we were those guys. But very uh, endearing to have a server who had apparently not encountered such a thing. Yeah. In, at the very least in a long time who was like, oh, it's so nice to talk to people with different ideas. Yeah, like she had we're like, we're like, never wait, met ideas, a vegetarian before. Like that was yeah. something new for her, which is shocking. Um, and then we went to this bar called Styx, S-T-I-X-X. And Styx is a pool hall slash just like chill sports bar kind of thing. But I would say more than anything, Styx is known for its Pearl? clientele, Pearl the Queen of. Fort Stockton. That is correct. We <laughs> met a woman named Pearl. And Pearl, a.k.a. the Queen of Fort Stockton, may be the greatest person that we encounter on this trip. Maybe. We'll see. We've got more to go. So, yeah, we're chilling here in Fort Stockton at this uh, Quality Inn. And we're leaving, like, tomorrow at 7 a.m. We've got, like, another six hours to drive to get to Waco, Texas, where we've got a couple of interviews scheduled. You've all heard about how we've got this Waco trip coming and we're we're now living it. So I just wanted to spend a little time talking about why this is happening. There have been a couple of people that have been asking, why are you guys going to Waco? What's happening with Waco? Why is Eddie not interested in going to Waco? Who is this Dylan character? What is this trip that you guys keep talking about? And so... Here's your explanation, y'all. So, I'm going to pass it to Dylan here first. As an Ed head, I'm just happy to be involved. Yeah, what would a, what a, what a Jordan fan be called? Let's, yeah, because there's discuss. not like a, a Jordan hoarder. Uh, there's nothing that flows like Ed head. Right. Ed you, head, you're Jord- trying, you seem to be trying to popularize yeah, the term Jord hoard. I think Jord hoard is probably the closest, right? <laughs> I know. Jord hoarder. We hoard Jordan. We collect him in our house. Oh, that doesn't work. We collect his podcasts. I, I, again, Dylan, you're, you're literally my best friend in life right now, and I I couldn't be happier that we're doing this road trip together. Like the best, even if we didn't have an agenda. But I'm just curious. Like, why did you want to come on this trip with me? Why is like going to Waco important for you? Whatever your thoughts are on that. I mean, well, besides the obvious reason of just wanting to take this trip with you, who I adore, uh, my main interest in Waco is mostly just an interest in like the government doing wrong. I, I, I love government. I don't. Well, I don't love government wrongdoing, but I'm fascinated by it. You love stories about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to even say that I love them because they're all horrible. They all end badly. Any story with our 
government being involved tends to end badly. But you think it's important to recognize stories where the government have been bad actors? I do. I do. I do think that. And uh, as you know, I believe that police should be abolished. So, And that includes the FBI and the ATF? It does include all, all, all types of law enforcement. I think that it's all a scam and they're only there to protect property, not really people. Uh, as they showed, it, well, they actually they didn't show any respect for property either. <laughs> I was going to say that they showed a clear disrespect for people in the Waco siege, but they did also, in fact, show a complete disrespect for property. Yeah, every, every, everything was <laughs> They gone. were just like, let's just get rid of all of it. Uh, but yeah, um, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What, where, what are we doing? What well, the hell is this? Why are we going to Waco? Yeah. Why so are we meeting with I guess these people? my thing with it, and I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, Waco is probably my ultimate true crime story. It's it's the one that's gripped me. It's the true crime story that has gripped me the most over the years. I remember being a child and seeing the Waco story unfold in the early 90s and just being horrified, just being like, hearing like sort of a loose description from my parents about what was happening and like seeing some news headlines about there are these crazy people in Waco and they have a weird death cult and they lit themselves on fire and everything burned down. And it was, it just shocked me. It was just so sad. Like what? And there's this weird guy who's the thought he was the Messiah. He thought he was Jesus. And and I, I just thought it was such a scary, eerie story. And then as I came of age and started sort of investigating these things, I found that the mainstream media narrative wasn't even close to what actually was going on. And I, I just did my own research and found that it, it was just such a fascinating story. I feel like the Branch Davidians, David Koresh, were really interesting people that had some really interesting views and... There might have been some darkness there. There have been things pointed out over the years. There may, uh, uh, like some people say, that David Koresh was a, a child molester. He he married girls that were 14 and under and had multiple wives and, and things like this. But I generally have a sympathetic view towards the Branch Davidians and what they were doing there. And really do believe that our government overstepped and attacked its own citizens and and killed innocent women, children, and and men. And it's always really bothered me. Like I'm kind of getting emotional now just talking about it. Like it it really upset me when I really dug down into it and learned the story. Um, you know, I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in, in religion of organized religion of any kind. And uh. I certainly don't believe in prophets or messiahs, but I sympathize with a group of people that were minding their own business, keeping to themselves, not hurting anybody, and living in harmony, being attacked by our government simply because our government had an agenda to make itself look better after the Ruby Ridge catastrophe. Shout out Ed C., who's in Ruby Ridge right now. Uh... And so, I don't know, I just always thought it was like a a baffling, awful story and just like a really 
crazy illustration of how our government, if unchecked, can get really fucking sinister real fast and <laughs> burn 80 plus people to death. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me. And like, I, I'm still scared of it. Like, and, you know, I don't want to get too conspiracy theory or like off the deep end here with this, but like, I think there have been things since then and maybe before then that have been sort of similar. Uh, I'm not talking about Sandy Hook, people. Uh, I'm talking about things like... Uh, Are you not talking about Sandy Hook because it was a fraud perpetrated by paid actors? It's always been a story that, that really stuck with me. Like I say, it's, my, it's my, my most researched, most impassioned sort of true crime story. I feel like our government attacked its people in just a completely unjustifiable way, and it, it just makes me fired up every time I think about it. And there's a rich history there, and I'm really interested to go to Waco. It's sort of on my bucket list of like places I want to visit. I just want to go there and like be on the land where this stuff happened. And apparently there's a memorial there that has all the names of the people that perished, and just like to see the names of those kids. And I mean, it's just like I said, I'm getting emotional again. It's just, what do you think, Dylan? Come, uh, talk some sense to this. I'm starting to ramble. Well, I'm likely to ramble as well. But uh, Waco was, it was kind of like my entry into seeing the world in a different way. Like I was very young. Everything that I had been taught about America came from the school system and was very obviously pro-USA, pro-government. The cops are the good guys. The government's the good guys. Uh, shortly before Waco happened, I kind of had like a an awakening in a sense listening to an album, like a hip-hop album by the Goats called Tricks of the Shade that came out in the early 90s and it was like a very political album and it was very like anti-George Bush and like really taught me a lot of, it like taught me that the world that I was learning about in school was not the real world or it gave me like the first inclination of that. Like I was listening to this music that was like, actually all of the things that you're being taught in school are a lie. Uh, and riding the high from that, like the first, the very first example of that in like real life for me was Waco. So you remember it from, from when it happened. I mean, somewhat were, like my but memory. You remember it, it happening in your, your world. Like, Oh, this is something on the news. Like, yeah. I remember it happening and it was the first like clear example that I could take in from myself of like, Oh, this is the government lying to us. Like, they are telling us that this one thing is happening, but it is so clear that the opposite is the case. It was the first news story in my life that I remember responding to with skepticism. Right. Because I had, like, just, just you kind of felt just like learned skepticism about our government. And then, like, immediately there was this thing where our government was acting horribly and, like, killing a bunch of people and like trying to put out one side of the story, but the people involved were all saying that it was something else. It was the first time that it felt like I was watching someone telling the truth and our government was the one lying. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For me, what was so important about it was basically that I had heard something in music that, like awoke a part of my brain was like, is this really happening? It made me question. And then Waco happened shortly after. And I was like, oh, this is really happening. Like, these guys are right. Like, in a lot of ways, it it really strengthened my ability to critically think about situations. First instance of me blatantly not trusting the government. Right which I had no idea at the time would become a huge theme of my life as I do not trust the government. I do not trust police. Yeah, especially law enforcement of any kind. Right, but didn't at that time, like, I mean, when we were kids, like, we took, I mean, obviously in today's climate, you have to fact check everything that the president says. So it's like we're in, like, a totally new world. Completely. But that was the... It was a real, like, eye-opener. I was like, oh, our government lies, too. I was like, I thought that was just something, like, I did to get out of trouble. I didn't realize (laughs) that, like, our government also did that when they're in trouble. And then, and for us, you and me, specifically, we sort of developed a new interest in this type of story when, during the Boston Marathon bombings of 2013 you and I started paying attention to the way the news was unfolding. And that was something that I I just happened to be off from work the exact day that it happened on uh, April 15th, I think it was. And I was able to watch like on CNN, whatever, like a news networks, like this story unfolding of, we think there are these suspects, this bombing just happened. We're going to hunt down these suspects. And then later that very night, there was like a shootout and like a rural Boston neighborhood and I I felt like I was watching sort of a government versus miscreants or terrorists or attackers and I just felt like I was watching something similar to Waco and that sort of rekindled an interest for me there was a, a bombing and then a siege and then a standoff with police and then they were hunting down people and I was like this has all the makings of sort of a Waco story I forgot about Waco and then I did a deep dive and it's so odd it just happened to be right around the time of the anniversary it was just a few days off and you and I both did sort of a deep dive on government attacking citizens we at the time details were sketchy and we sort of thought like maybe the Zarnaevs aren't the actual suspects and they're having shootouts with police and we're generally skeptical of police violence as we should be across the board I just sort of did a deep dive I was like wow siege situations are so interesting like people having standoffs with the police and standoffs with the government And then I remembered Waco and found that there were all these documentaries that had come out since I was a kid and remembered seeing all the big headlines on it and found that the narrative was actually quite a different story than what I had believed as a child and had been told by the general media at the time. Like things had really taken a different shape in the several years that it had followed. 
And then suddenly it be, just became interested in the Waco story again. It was like, God, this is such an intense story. And it really just became a, a topic of sort of obsession for me. I really became interested. It's it's probably my most mysterious, interesting, compelling true crime story of all time. And it's sort of, this sounds terrible, but it's like a bucket list thing for me to go to Waco to the site of the original Branch Davidian compound and just be there, man, and just see the scene of this, like, completely interesting and awful story in our nation's history. I sympathize with the people that died there, and I don't know. I just It's, it's almost like I'm wanting to be there to pay respects kind of thing uh, or, or just, I don't know, just to kind of feel the history, see if there's a vibe there. I, I mean, I don't even really believe in much spirituality but i just feel like there's a history in places and then if you go there and you're like tuned in in the right way you might just sort of feel something or just but even if that doesn't happen just to be there and see there's like a little historical museum there are some things there that are interesting to look at but also we have scheduled an interview with charles pace who is the new pastor of the current Two Branches movement, which is sort of an offshoot of the Branch Davidians. And he has some interesting takes on the previous Branch Davidians, David Koresh, and what's currently going on. So he's going to be an interesting interview, and we'll see what else happens when we're there. There may be some other people to talk to, we're hoping. So I'm just looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. It's just kind of a, uh, a journalistic quest, and we hope that we will arrive at uh, some compelling talks. Anything else to add to that, bud? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I cannot wait to talk to these people, which seems kind of like a strange thing. Are you worried at all about how this new pastor might be? Are you worried that it's going to be an awkward interview or do you think it's just going to be completely interesting and, and it won't interfere at all with your own beliefs or just what are your thoughts about what we might be walking into? Yes, as like a leftist going to like happily driving a full day to talk to like a Trump supporting. I don't know. I don't know. We, yeah, we don't know what to expect. We've looked around but on the Two Branches who, website. Someone whose beliefs are very different from your own. like completely opposed to my own. Right. And, but and I, I will we, say, like, uh, listeners of the podcast have heard that I named my dog after David Koresh. There's a real sort of sympathy there. Uh, but as far as I can tell, and as far as I'm understanding from the new pastor that we're going to interview, like my, my sympathies and, and views completely contradict with a lot of the things that he seems to believe according to the two branches dot info website that he has. So it's going to be an interesting interview. I don't know. Maybe I would have felt the same way about David Koresh if I had read a website that he had put up and was going to do an interview with him. But regardless of us both having like diametrically opposed religious views, we both have like, I think perhaps like more than most, like an empathy for people who 
our government has targeted unfairly. 100%. And like whether he had beliefs that we agree with or we don't agree with, which obviously, I mean, we're not on the same page with him in that respect, but no one deserves what our government did to these people and like right no one and like at the very minimum for all the lives lost they do deserve to have the truth be told like correct it's and if this guy has it then like you've already killed these people why continue to perpetuate like a lie that they were like bad like the our government acted against these people and there is no Denying that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And what's scary is not enough people seem to believe that. I mean, you and I have both talked to people that are just a little bit younger than us that have no idea about this story even happening, one. And then, two, the people that are our age, mostly, if they haven't done their own research into it, kind of just believe that the Branch Davidians were nutcases and David Koresh was like uh, a Jim Jones character. And that's just the general narrative, and it couldn't be further from the truth. So it's sad, and it's scary. And The classic example of the winner in any battle, like, makes the narrative. Can I just quote ABBA real quick? Please do. The winner takes it all. The loser has to fall. I can't remember yeah. the rest. Well, that's my favorite of all the Apple quotes. So I Thank appreciate you. you bringing that to the table. Yes. But it is. I mean, that's like, that's how it always goes. How? The winner paints. Takes it all? Well, takes it all and then rewrites the history of it. The so winner. They took it all whoever, as a noble cause. But I mean, what that's does that what they mean? always do. Break that down. Just, for, just unpack that for a minute. What do you mean to say, like, whoever wins gets to tell the narrative? What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the same in any situation. Whoever wins any like public battle controls the narrative, whether it's like on a large scale or a small scale. So, like in this case, because the FBI happened to destroy all of the Branch Davidians, they get to tell us that I mean, yeah, the Davidians they, they, were nutcases. Koresh was a, a deranged prophet. All yeah, that I mean, for all intents and purposes, they erased any type of counter narrative you know i mean they killed and there's no they one killed left the to... majority of the people and they discredited the survivors as and they're like only or less... a handful of those right. and and it know... never mattered how eloquently or reasonably they were speaking they were always like denigrated as like well yeah. you're just you're a member of a cult right like this is a cult you believe in like dumb shit so like nothing you say matters so it was fine to murder you guys and we'll probably not get a lot of backlash and sadly they really didn't i mean the the, the congressional hearings about how the fbi and the atf acted in this were just embarrassing right which numerous branch davidians went to jail yeah i mean to my knowledge maybe i'm not like fully up on it but i don't believe anyone was they, they weren't committing charged. any crimes in right. the first place. I mean, right. e- even the stuff that they painted Koresh as like a, a bad guy for, 
Yeah, he, I mean, he was they marrying tried, they women even, that were 14 years old. He had multiple wives. Those things weren't illegal in Texas at the time. These were not crimes. Right, and they Maybe tried to hang a bunch of charges. disagree with them morally, but they're not crimes. These people were not living, you know, as outlaws. I mean, I feel like they tried to attach crimes to it these people but no. for the oh, most they were part, stockpiling weapons no they, that was their business they were they were trading in weapons at gun shows legally i mean right and combined a, even so sad. combined the survivors did very little time i mean the government knew they were wrong they like couldn't convict these people in court yeah they just they didn't do anything i mean right. it, it's but um yeah, we're hoping that happens, and it would be great to get his perspective and the new perspective, and that's what we're hoping to do here. We hope it's going to be an entertaining pod. We're going to call Ed C. because he was demanding a check-in. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Uh, Ed C., we're trying to call you to give you an update. You probably don't have service because you're in Ruby Ridge. Um, if, if you do get into like a reasonable place, if you haven't been murdered by a cat or like whatever that stuff was, um, you know, give us a call. We're here in Fort Stockton. We'll be in Waco tomorrow. Yeah, man. Just wanted to update you on everything. Thanks, bud. And hi, this is Dylan. Uh, I do not take the same tact as Jordan. And, uh, I hope Larry catches another one.